discretion is advised as we cover many an insane movie and numerous cult TV phenomenons. Now, are you ready to get jacked up? Are you with us? Then listen on. And we're back with another special episode. I have with me Rebecca Reinhardt, fellow podcaster and filmmaker. How are you to this very day? I am. I'm doing all right. That's always lovely. Yeah, I was very familiar with uh, some of your postings in Lacey Lou's Cut to the Chase podcast group and just saw you in a bunch of other podcast groups. And uh, this Embalmers movie you were promoting in a few different, you know, low-budget horror groups and i was like okay cool i, I gotta know more about this because I, I i have massive respect just for people who want to do so many different things i mean you're also a blogger on pop horror and so it's like and you bring some big articles on that on you know badasses in horror franchises what the genre needs to be changed up what and just many other just cool interviews where was your whole beginning in this whole uh, did you decide you wanted to be kind of a filmmaker versus a blogger or just it was all hand in hand and there was no particular direction that you were going in? <laughs> yeah, it all just kind of happened and it happened very quickly. I've always been a horror fan and I um, always made the rounds at the horror conventions and kind of kept myself, never really interacted too much with people Um like other fans, other, you know, like I would go and stand in line for, you know, to talk to Adrian King or something. But like when it came down to Joe Schmo, who was sitting there eating a hot dog next to me, I would never like I just had my head down. <laughs> and and uh, I finally started getting into some groups on Facebook um, where I found out there are other people who like horror and they're just fine and they're normal and you know, they, they have to hide it just like I had to because I worked in a profession that just was very, very conservative. And mm. um, and so once I started, like, talking to these people and realizing, hey, you know what? I'm, like, kind of a rock star in this, like, little pond, you know? Uh, yeah. I eventually started podcasting with a couple of my friends. Um, and so we started the In the Mic of Madness podcast, which is the, my first venture into uh I guess content creation so I started that in uh October of 2018 so this all has not been uh, a very long thing so little over a year maybe a year and a half um right. and then I I got more comfortable with that I was doing all the editing and the production and whatnot and so I thought you know what I'm going to try my hand at my own YouTube channel I wanted something that was my own and I ended up coming up with the, the concept of the not quite final girl. So I didn't want to do just standard um, review uh, shows and that kind of thing. And so I needed something that was unique to me. Mm -hmm. And I started that show. It is based around the girls in horror who don't quite make it to the end of their movie and thus don't get quite the bravado that the final girl gets. So <laughs> I, I, it all came to, that came about, I was watching Friday the 13th one night, and I was really, like, dissecting the character of Brenda. And um, I was just like, man, where did Brenda learn how to play strip Monopoly? Like, you know, why is Brenda <laughs> so preachy about her vegetarianism? And I realized I, I cared so much about this, like, quote-unquote, throwaway character. Um, and I wanted to give those characters, like, some sort of, like, you know, 
I don't know, some sort of time in the sun, you know, in the spotlight. <laughs> so that channel has morphed into a lot of different things. Um, right. And, you know, I do reviews and that type of thing. Um, but last March, I finally decided I was going to be a little more outgoing. And I went to um, a horror convention in Cincinnati, which is not where I live. It's the first one I've ever run to that wasn't in my hometown. Oh, really? And yeah, because I live in Indianapolis. We have two of the biggest horror conventions every year. We have a horror round in Days of the Dead. And so I don't usually go anywhere for conventions. And I actually had some friends that I had met online. So I actually like had people and, and I set up interviews with filmmakers and actually got press passes. And that was kind of the beginning of my, my, I guess you could say, uh, my outward <laughs> um, sort of facing personality. I like, I started talking to other people and doing some things like that. And I actually started um, really like interacting with a lot of independent filmmakers. And that's really what my primary emphasis has been, has been um, promoting independent film interviewing these people, reviewing their movies, trying to get other people to watch their movies in the various outlets that I have, like Pop Horror. I also write for Beyond the Void. Um, But I kind of just thought, you know what? I've learned a lot, and I would dig making my own movie. And it it just kind of happened because I sort of jumped in on something, on a project that somebody who thought I was bigger than I was asked me to be in. And... um, and he really, more than an actress, he needed he needed promotion. He needed somebody who could actually like run the ship. And I, I kind of hate that. I, well, I kind of took over it, and I was thinking, you know what, this is good like practice for me, you know, because oh, okay. I I really got the proof that like you know I didn't really have like a dog in the fight, you know, if it all failed, it wasn't me, but like I could kind of try it out. And oh, uh, guys. Yeah, and and he and I had a falling out, and I pulled out of that movie, but I was like, you know what? I think I proved to myself that I could make a movie, that I know the ins and outs of what's involved, that it's not just standing behind a camera. Um, It's not just yelling action. That's like a very small part of being a director or a producer. Um, And... Uh Speaking of camera, did this pretty much help you earn your first big crew? Because they saw, hey, she's good under stress and uh, uh, working against no. the clock. Really? No? Okay. No. No. So so really, I decided, my sister had, had joined in with me on this other project, and we made our own production company. And then nice. when things fell out with the, the, uh, the other person, we had had this idea. And it was kind of like we had thought, okay, we'll make our own movie eventually, like, my sister had had this idea for years, like just very, very loose idea of like these three siblings who are somehow like magically gifted um, by some sort of power to be able to seal people's souls into their bodies mm, after okay. they die. And so we would be like driving to these conventions and we talk about it and like we had kind of like the whole the story kind of developed, but nothing on paper. And so when all of that felt through, we were like, screw it, let's just put this on paper. And we actually ended up writing the script in, I mean, and it's still, we still got a few rewrites to go. I mean, it's, that's the way it's always going to go. But I mean, we really actually kicked that thing out in like three months. Um, Are you all about uh, the script first or get the talent and then write a movie around them? 
<laughs> well, kind of both. So okay. oh, that's as, awesome. part, as part of the other movie, I was doing a lot of the casting. So I knew a lot of actors, independent actors, and um, I was pulling in different people for that particular movie. And uh, they all pulled out when I pulled out. And so I had actually <laughs> I had actually assembled this kind of cool team of actors. Um, and immediately when we got our movie going, we did write a lot of the roles around these people. And, um, and they kind of agreed before we had a script, like, yeah, we're coming with you. So uh, and the main people for that would be, um, so Andrea Collins, also known as Andy Noir, uh, Julianne Prescott, um, mm. trying to think of who else I had like sealed for the deal. I was, I was actually part of it. And then, um, Alice Winkler and Rob Mello from happy death day. He had actually contacted me directly when I was producing the other movie and wanted to be cast. And then when that fell through, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm giving you a movie. I'm getting you a movie. So yeah, in that way we did really write. This, we knew the three siblings to start out with, and we wrote those roles around them. Um, very cool. Was he very we, indie friendly? I wasn't very familiar with him until I saw the crowd fun, but I recognized no, his credits. He, uh, no, he, uh, yeah, he actually, if you look at his credits, his credits are pretty, or like way more high class than anybody else's. <laughs> no, <laughs> that's very like, cool. Yeah, we're all seems... like super indie. Like our credits are like, you know. Yeah, because watched on Amazon, his is like oh, stuff you've seen in a theater. <laughs> well, no, that's cool, but then it gets even more annoying when you encounter someone who, you know, cool or not, you know, uh, they either be a snob about it, going, oh, you know, that's amateur for me, even though that's where I was before I got an agent, and then others are just like, you know, sometimes it's just their agent saying, yeah, I only want you to do union stuff, and but they would gladly do it if they actually right. knew about it. They would say, you know, screw you, agent. I'm going to do this. <laughs> yeah, and no, he's super cool. He actually has been helping us write uh, the script. So he's, yeah, that's cool. yeah, he's responsible for a lot of what his character is. And I think it's he's mm -hmm. enjoyed having that freedom of creativity to be able to create the character and not just have it handed to him and have to do what, you know, what's already been determined. So, um, Very cool. so yeah, we, we, yeah. So we've all had a lot of fun with that freedom. Um, and, and just so you know, like I, before all this, um, I only recently, like six months ago, quit my career, um, of 20 years in, um, education, K-12 education, technology. I was a oh, school wow. district administrator. <laughs> oh, shit. Um, but I, um, I, I have all of that business sense behind me. And people don't really think about movie, making a movie as being a business, and it is. It's a lot of budgeting. It's a lot of scheduling. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of finding the right people and organizing and it's a lot of the same things that I did in trying to run a department. Um, and so there, these people who want to be a director because they, they're creative and then they like, are like, okay, I'm going to make a movie. But then they get in there and they're like, oh crap. Like, have you ever managed a store? You know, like, like uh, just these people yeah. don't have basic like management and leadership skills. And that's where mm -hmm. a lot of people fail. Oh, and so I yeah. think that's, I think that's where my strength comes from is I'm not just a fan. I, I 
I am an organizer. So, well, so <laughs> Any... how how would you describe it in Indiana? Because it's it's pretty much, it's pretty cruddy here in uh, Dallas. Uh, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, do you mean right this today or like well, no, no, general no. prior? In <laughs> general, before we had the real life horror that was Corona. <laughs> right before everybody's life sucked. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, Indiana does not have a very strong film scene, oh, okay. um, which is always really strange to me. Like once I started delving in and finding out how many people really were doing things, people from Indiana or Illinois, Kentucky, Ohio, we all kind of, you know, mesh together in this particular thing. But we have uh -huh. so many like connections and we all have so many like uh, we all have so many people that we can like, you know, we, it, there's, there's, there's a lot like a, I, okay, I'll just say what, I, what I'm going to say. I always call it a shallow gene pool. The, the indie horror scene, the okay. Midwest indie <laughs> horror scene is a very shallow gene pool. It really is. And it's like, so why isn't stuff being done in Indiana? And there were a couple people who were um, doing a lot of independent filmmaking uh, very successfully in Indiana. Um, one of them actually moved to Atlanta and okay. the other one has just been kind of dormant for a while. Um, and yeah. so with that, the scene kind of just died. Mm. And so that is one thing that I'm trying to kind of raise back up. I've been working with some other, there are some other really talented filmmakers that we have, um, Rad Entertainment, who they are out of Logansport, Indiana, and um, they are making a movie called Parallels. with, uh, And it's actually a joint endeavor between them and, I'm going to say wrong. It's like con dog. It's like con D W G. <laughs> They're actually out of Tennessee. Um, there's okay. a, there's a guy named Alan Wills who uh, is just starting to make some horror shorts. And um, we've been working together to try, try to promote our stuff together. And, and, and so like, once you kind of get in there and realize, Hey, there are people here who are talented. It's just, we don't have the spotlight shown on us. No. Uh, and so I think I think that once we come out of all this, I think that Indiana will will be able to be a I'm not gonna say a mecca for indie horror, but definitely a hotspot for indie horror. Yeah, that's very cool, especially because I aren't there a few different like urban legends and ghost stories that especially originated around the Indiana area? Well, right, and not just that, but. Um, we have, like, for example, I'm producing a movie called Oh My Darling. That was. Oh written. My Darling. Yep. That's where it comes from. Uh, you'd be <laughs> amazed how many younger people don't know that song, by the way. I guess they just didn't watch I... any Huckleberry Hound. <laughs> I actually would not be surprised. There's, I mean, I'm a fucking millennial, so what do I know? But, I mean, yeah. even I know a good chunk of just. Yeah, cultural just... history. But even then, yeah, there's always people that are yeah. like, oh, what's UPN? Oh, what's. Oh, what's yeah. folk music? What's yeah. <laughs> what's so anything? We, so it's actually written by a guy who is right here in central Indiana. It's going to be produced. Like the production company is in Indiana. I'm a producer of it. It's in Indiana. We're filming it all in Indiana. We're hiring not not all Indiana talent, but a lot of Indiana talent. And that's what I did for the embalmers, actually. I It was kind of unintentional, but I have a lot of things that I could shoot that didn't require the main cast who Very the cool. main cast, none of them are from Indiana. But I'm like, I had these other scenes that I, a lot of other scenes that I could do just like on weekends over the summer before we do principal shooting. 
And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try to just like hire some local people so that I don't have to pay a lot for travel and we can just do some stuff on a Saturday or whatever. And what was interesting is a lot of these people had been in stuff that's kind of new. It's not exactly taken off, but it's been heavily promoted for the right channels who are looking for modern day kind of drive in homage. Yes, and, and really, and I'm I'm one of them. I mean, I've right. I've been cast in a, a million things. I like to, I think I'm attached now to like 15 projects or something, um, in different Very capacities. Cool. Um, but yeah, you see these people who are like, um, just just kind of getting their feet in the door, and that's totally cool. I know a lot of people are very poo-poo on hiring people who haven't been in movies before or uh, who've only done stage acting or or whatever but we do have like i mean alice winkler and in particular andrea collins and julianne prescott they all are they all are seasoned indie horror actresses um and then i also didn't mention i have helene beauty in my film who is from she is horror royalty from my bloody valentine <laughs> um so yeah, so we all yeah. like, we all have our credits are are uh, sound kind of goofy, but they're definitely made for your indie horror fan. We've got like if you put all of our stuff together, it's like yeah, we pretty much like are the dream cast for somebody. <laughs> I yeah, the the credits were definitely impressive. I was surprised I didn't see anyone like Katie Sackhoff, uh, Tiffany Shepes, Jamie Bernadette, or even Tom Savini and Joel D. Weinkoop. <laughs> Well, well, Joel, Joel D, crazy Joel D does his own things, but, uh, that's what I kind of noticed too, is like, if yeah. he's not in Miami, he's not going yeah. anywhere. Joel, Joel D would be more of our, uh, our level of like the kind of, of craziness and kind of cool person we have on it. We'll return after these messages. Hey, feeling down, feeling low? Not enough podcasts about movies in your life. Why not try... They must be destroyed on sight! The new Podcast Cure-All. Sure to get you right with the world and on a path to better living. We have exploitation. We have Italian horror. We have zombies. We have slashers. We have crime films. We have spaghetti westerns. We even have sci-fi and sex comedies. So take a dose of... They must be destroyed on sight! As needed, and let the hosts, Lee Russell, Daniel Harper, Paul Romali, and the odd guest host, cure what ails you. Warning, may cause atrophy, African consumption, black fever, bone shave, chin puff, colic, cramp colic, dropsy of the brain, elephantitis, grocer's itch, jaundice, mania, miasma, mortification, palsy, pox disease, rheumatism, scurvy, St. Anthony's fire, summer complaint, and worm fit in some people. Consult a physician before listening. Hey, I heard you like movies. I heard you like to hustle. I heard you like podcasts. Well, guess what? There's a podcast for you out there called The Home Video Hustle. Damn right. Every Friday, we talk about whatever movie PJ picks out the bag. What does that mean? Every Wednesday on our YouTube page, I put a bunch of movies in a bag, and PJ picks one out at random. And then we just watch it. We talk about it for maybe like an hour, hour and a half, two hours. Whatever we feel like doing, wherever the conversation leads us. But do we actually talk about the movie? 
most of the time. Ah. Tangents galore. Yes. So believe me, we may be a movie podcast, but it's not always about movies. We might talk about video games, mm-hmm. music. music. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. the big one. Music. Uh, sometimes we might get a little bit of politicalness in there. Yes. Sometimes we may just. Oh, we know what we like to do. We like to tell stories, people. Yeah. Yes. I am the master storyteller <laughs> yes. of the podcast realm. <laughs> Undefeated. So if you like to hear about movies, video games, whatever foolishness comes to our mind, the most random stuff you could think of, check out the Home Video Hustle. You can find us on the Stitchers, yes. the Google Play, yes. Apple Podcasts, what else? Podbean, what else? Podcast Addict, goddamn, all that. Ain't no reason you can't get your hustle on. We everywhere, worldwide, baby. Hustle, motherfucking hustle. Hey, we can't cuss in the promo, PJ. Ah, we gotta be family friendly. There may be podcasts out there that don't want us here to say, ah, 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 all that good fun stuff. <laughs> well. <laughs> you yeah. <laughs> no, no, don't run the listeners away Pete. Ah, i'm sorry but this is going kind of long yes so we'll end this and say hey check out the home video hustle every friday on all the various podcast outlets peace peace as far back as i can remember i always wanted to be a gangster And while Witch didn't make it to the top of the world, he did make the Gangs of Hollywood podcast. So join the gang and enjoy a movie review podcast about movie gangs, gangsters, mobsters, and the mayhem they cause. You can find GOH Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at GOHpod at www.gohpod.com as well as your favorite podcast listening app. And remember, say hello to your little friend for me. If you take two old punk rockers who are past their prime, put them in front of a movie screen and give them a podcast, what do you get? Cinema punks. Cinepunks. It's the mixtape of movies. Did you ever see a film at such a young age it left you traumatized with cinematic wounds? Oh, necrophilia. It's a dead issue, man. Don't don't push it. Cinema PsyOps is a weekly podcast documenting an ongoing experiment on the mind of an unwilling test subject. No one should have to watch this movie. Oh, no one should have to watch this. No one should have to watch this movie. Surprisingly, it's not a topic that a lot of people really want to tackle. I'm shocked, Prudes. I know, really. Right? It's the next sexual frontier that no one wants to explore. I am, in the most sincerest of senses, disappointed in you. It takes a powerful goddess like Connie, jam her arm down the monster's throat and kill it. Oh, I'm still tripping out over that. Even as a kid, I was like, I gotta find a girl like that. Every week, I, I get a new look of disappointment that I never thought I could get it's out of it. unimaginable. At 12 years old, you should not be watching this movie. Obviously. At 13, you should not be. 14, you shouldn't be. I'm not entirely sure even 17-year-olds should be watching this movie. Just because you're offended by something doesn't mean that you have the right to demand that it doesn't exist. Watching this film again, I had all of this, like, little nerd glee with everything that kept Little history up. doll yeah, popping up absolutely. at you. So I totally loved this film. Hey, I know why you, you know, couldn't see that. It's because your brain's warped watching this shit at 12 years old. Yeah, this is this is a rough movie. I told you ahead of time when we were getting ready to do it that it was How did you watch one. this shit at 12? 
Because physical wounds heal, cinematic ones don't. Listen to Cinema Psyops. We now continue with our program. In fact, like one of my mentors is um, Tim Ritter, who is the director of many of Joel D. Weinkoop's. Oh, yeah. Tim is <laughs> awesome. I forgot what book I read. I read several different indie books that still hold up today, despite the VHS uh, shot on videotape details. But the their argument is still valid. It's like, hey, if you can't film it for five to ten thousand, don't do it at all. And if you can't even get anyone interested in your concept, why even make it? You know, so yeah. just so much sound advice and and uh, and when I when I said that I talked to a lot of independent filmmakers and whatever and figured out that I could do it, I will say that Tim Ritter was the one who. Um, who took me under his wing and he's, he's so fabulous. He is so supportive. He's become like my mentor, my friend. I just, you know, he invited me to his house. Like the first time I ever interviewed him, he was like, yeah, come over to my house. We're going to shoot some stuff. We'll put you in a couple scenes. We'll do some, you know, really? we'll do an interview. Yeah. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh my God, are you kidding? Like here I am. I'm like 30 years ago. If you would have told me that I would be like, going to Cracker Barrel with the director of like Truth or Dare Critical Madness, you know, or Killing Spree. I would have been like, no right. way, dude, you know? Oh, but, Truth uh, or Dare. <laughs> yeah. So he's, so he has like, he has really been a very good support. Um, in fact, I have a box sitting right in front of me right now that I need to send back to him of a severed head that we used for our teaser. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised so many do know him because it seems like, there was a few guys who conquered the VHS market when it was first a thing, and uh, somehow he was never like the top ten mentioned, but yet everybody at every other video store, mom and pop store, knew who he was, even though his stuff wasn't being played on Showtime or HBO. But yet, yeah. again, everybody's he's he's totally what I created himself. Totally what I totally what I grew up on. Totally what I love, and totally half of my in the Micah Madness podcast is uh, something I call SOBs who love SOV. So we do an, a complete shot on video podcast every other week <laughs> yes yeah i had only seen part of one episode i hadn't uh listened to it much but i liked what i heard <laughs> yeah. uh but but i'm more familiar with your pop horror stuff uh so do you like writing out your opinions versus just talking about it in discussion or they all go hand in hand just like the filmmaking itself acting you know well? you know it's really kind of weird once i started doing the screenwriting I had for I had been in like hard science for so long, you know, oh, that I that I <laughs> forgot that like I forgot. Hey, I actually am like pretty creative. Like I could always write like technical writing kind of thing, but I like forgot that I could like write a story or I could write dialogue or I could like write an opinion about something, you know, and not just some like instructions on how to do things or you know explaining like technical things. Right. And so, um, yeah, that was kind of, <laughs> I think that was my first thing that I actually did do was start writing for Beyond the Void. And I, I did a lot of opinion pieces for that. And it was like, that's when I realized I was getting a lot of praise for them. And I was like, you know what, I have something to say. And I'm pretty damn good at writing. So, you know, I, I really, if I have to like pigeonhole myself, I mean, I, that's kind of what I feel like I am as like a horror journalist. Um, um, in the writing and That's also cool. just the podcasting and, and the YouTube stuff or whatever. But it just depends on what it is. There's sometimes there are things that I just want to say. And sometimes there are things I want to write. And um, and sometimes I, I've been even like collaborating with people. I've had several people who have 
had uh, horror scripts and they're like, or, you know, were partial horror scripts and they're like, you know, they hired me to consult on them. Um, and so, you know, I can go in and almost be an editor sometimes too. So yeah, I really do enjoy the writing part of it, but I, I enjoy, I enjoy talking to people too. <laughs> so you're just, uh, again, you're just a people person and it's just cool that people are coming up to you. They legit, they do want your second opinion as opposed yeah. to some of these other indie filmmakers who are acting like, oh, shit, man, I made it. It's like, what are you talking about? Yeah, and that is Everyone's kind of that is kind of um, a theme that I would like to see uh, turned around in independent filmmaking is that uh, every man is an island kind of mentality. We all like, you know, oh, that's my idea. And I can't let you into that because you'll steal that from me or whatever. It's like, hey, none of us are making a buck off of any of this. Uh, like, it happens too much. We're having yeah, people. Let's, let's work together. Let's let's share ideas. Let's like let's pool together our resources. Let's make everybody better instead of just trying to make yourself better. So have you avoided I, melodrama on Facebook for the most part? Have you ever met anybody who's avoided melodrama? On uh, Facebook? You'd be surprised how many can avoid it. Uh, but I mean, uh, or who just go dark there's like yeah unless it's yeah. a group i'm not saying anything <laughs> yeah no i yeah i mean i i've had i've had my share of ups and downs with you know social media um it's it is just one of those things like if you want it, it is a very powerful tool for promotion for self-promotion for promoting other people for getting information out there but it is also it puts you in a prone position for people to attack you or to say things about you. And it's, it's like anything else. And again, I, you know, I was, I was right there in the forefront as, you know, that as a school administrator, same thing. You got to know that there are some people who are just going to look at you as the talking head, the person who just happens to be the face and they're going to blame you for things. It's all, it's all part of leadership. So, right. So, yeah. You know, but I just kind of like roll with it for the most part. I've learned to like just block people when they're douchebags for the most part. You got to. Um, who was it that I heard about? I was on B Movie Bros podcast, and I don't think it made the final cut of the episode, but we were flat out just going on about um, people who are big icons, but yet. No one has anything like nice to say about them, even when the cameras are on. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> is yeah. I, I think Erin Brown was one of those. She had been kind of the B movie like Night Queen, and everyone was like, "Yeah, she's just she she's just a bitch." <laughs> and well, I mean, that's, I don't that's wanna, all I don't want to be that person that everybody right. thinks is just a bitch. But if somebody just thinks I'm a bitch, I'm just gonna tune them out. If I've got like one or two people, you know, if somebody calls me out on something for for real that I've done. That's one thing. But if people just want to, like I had somebody who actually like told somebody, told another filmmaker that I was just too nice. He what? didn't like me because I was too nice. What does I that had mean? I had promoted his movie. <laughs> I, I guess I just, I don't know. I was too enthusiastic or something. And I was like, block. Okay. Like, yeah. I, I'm, I'm with <laughs> yeah. you. I've, I've unfortunately been there. Uh, I had one guy who I kid you not. I won't say his name. He's a douchebag, but he basically was going around on every corner of Facebook and just tagging people and saying, you guys who I've tagged, you guys aren't actors. I'm like, how? 
ever heard of making friends here? I mean, what yeah. what does that do? That that yeah. just muddies the water and it doesn't. I mean, and yeah, it doesn't do anybody any favors. I, well, <laughs> it says a lot about you. Okay, so you're calling people out just because you don't like them, but what did they ever do to you? Did they yeah. kill your dog? No, they they just you worked yeah. on a movie with them and you didn't like them and you're just saying I'm gonna be an asshole. <laughs> okay um so i mean man just i forgot how many movies rob actually has been in i, I did see into the ashes and simplify and obsession with mecky pfeiffer um and that one episode of fear the walking dead um uh so and trailer park shark my god <laughs> i did see that one um so who was your favorite of these actors on embalmers to direct um well uh, no, no. And in fact, we're, we're still, I, we sh I should say, we have shot our teaser. We shot a six and a half minute teaser with some additional footage. Um, and we are doing an Indiegogo campaign right now to try to shoot the entirety of the film, which is, of course, a really bad time to try to ask people for money. But mm -hmm. we actually have had a fair, a fair amount of supporters who have, have come forward, even in this like very dismal time, to help us out. They're embracing um, streaming. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> um, and we're trying to offer some things, too, that will kind of kill the boredom for them now. In fact, that's one of our perk levels is called kill the boredom. So <laughs> <laughs> we offer some things for you now that will maybe hopefully entertain you. Um, but, no, I don't have any favorites, really. I mean. Um, it's all one. Well basically, <laughs> yeah. I mean, a lot of these a lot of these people were people I knew and I approached and I. I didn't have them do auditions. I knew them. I knew them from, you know, I talked to them at conventions. They're my friends. I've seen their movies. I don't need them to audition. I'm like, I'm going to write this role around you. You want to do it. Um, so I will say that probably who is going to be a fan favorite is uh, Johnny Shandor. She is an eight-year-old girl who is a performer big time, but she is a, um, a horror like total horror fanatic and I okay. my sister and I were both like we are putting her in this movie and we wrote an entire role around her she is playing Callie this girl Callie who uh, lives next door to the funeral home and uh, befriends Cy Rob Mello's maladjusted character but uh, the way I met her was at a uh, I think it was the Days of the Days of the Dead last summer uh, I was in line for a Felissa Rose Catherine Cammy uh, photo op my friend Shannon McMillan and I were, and we were, you know, I had on like this shirt that looked like the Judy shirt, the pink shirt <laughs> with the big black letters, but it said Becca. And then she had on like this camp Arawak shirt, you know, we were going to do this. We did this fun little uh, thing, but in walks this little girl who's like dressed in her camp Arawak camper outfit. And like Felissa Rose like runs out and was like, Oh my God, you're so cute. You know, and everybody is just like gushing over this little girl, you know? She says and, her favorite movies are Sleepaway Camp and uh, Terrifier. So, God, she's, she's seen some stuff yeah, that will really mess you up, has, even at yeah. that young age. <laughs> so, but she's very, she is actually very grounded. But she was in line next to me uh, for huh, the photo yeah. op. And I said, so, I'm like, you're a horror fan, yeah? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, what's your favorite movie? And she said, oh, God, that's a tough one. But... <laughs> I do know I'm going to lay off of Indonesian doll films for a while because those are really freaking me out. Oh, <laughs> and I was God. like, 
I was like, sister, you're awesome, you know? So it's like, you know, so that's where I met Very Johnny. Cool. She became my friend. She does a lot of cosplay and karaoke. She's a huge Alice Cooper fan. Yeah. Um, and we're trying, we're incorporating all of those things into, because she does make her own cosplay. She's got an awesome, a couple of awesome Alice Cooper cosplays and two awesome Gene Simmons cosplays that we are incorporating in. For sure. Uh, and kudos to your poster, because it, it really yeah. does, it, it is as 80s as you're going to get on any poster. You know, e even big, big screen movies that do homages haven't come this far. I mean, you got a guy holding a skull who looks almost suspiciously like the tall man from phantasm. You got a lot, a lot of big reanimator night of living dead, just kind of Amityville kind of sense in there. Is that so, fair to go on? Or? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. There's a little bit more to it, but um, okay. so yeah. just being a person who being a promoter and being somebody who's in a lot of horror groups and I do a lot of podcasts, blah, blah, blah. Um, I know what draws people into this type of film. Like I, what I know the target audience and I know what they look for. And Is really going to be a lot of synthesizer music in this. Uh, maybe not synthesizer, but I okay. do know <laughs> that the one, the one thing that really tends to draw um, a lot of my friends into a movie is an awesome poster. And I'm the same way, you know, something that's just really, you know, engaging. And especially like, if you think about streaming, that's what most people are going to go on is you see this little thumbnail and that's what you're going to click on. And yeah, and that's, if it's that's a bad Photoshop, it gets skipped. <laughs> exactly. And so uh, we had all, and my podcast and kind of my, my group of friends had all been really like gaga over the poster for gags, the clown in 2018. Now the movie didn't come out in 2018. So even on my podcast, we gave it like, the award for best poster of a movie that we haven't seen yet or something like that <laughs> yeah. for 2018. But, uh, and the movie is fabulous. It has come out. Um, but it's got we, Lauren Ashley Carter and yeah, uh, Tracy Perez. So when I was right before we were going to do this movie, I, I ran into Adam Krauss, the director at a convention and I was talking to him about it. And he said, yeah, it's this guy, Mark Schoenbach. And uh, he's like, all I did, like I told him, I really like Goosebumps. And he's like, he loved Goosebumps too. And I said, I kind of wanted something that was like Town the Dread and Sundown. And, and he's like, and he came up with this. And I was like, are you kidding me? Oh my gosh. I, like, I was like, when I make a movie, Mark Schoenbach is making my freaking poster. And so that's exactly <laughs> what I did. I just, I'm like, I don't care. So I actually, I had that, I had the idea for the poster. And I did a Photoshop mock-up with just pictures. Right. Um, and then and then I kind of gave him a couple examples. I really kind of wanted that, like, 70s haunted house kind of look. Um, but, yeah, bringing in a little bit of the 80s, kind of that neon palette. Right. Um, and I just, I mean, I just gave him some, you know, my mock-up. He's like, okay, and you just need pictures of, you know, them doing these different things, high resolution. Um you know, I sent him a bunch of stuff and then, I mean, he like, he's so great about figuring out what you are trying to say. Um, and then he came up with that and I was like, that is, that's it. That's <laughs> absolutely freaking perfect. I love it. So, yeah. So oh, I'm really excited. Like, about read my mind. <laughs> yep. Well, and not even that. I mean, I did do like the mock-up and everything, but he kind of, I didn't send him a whole lot of examples, but I was kind of like, kind of like, I like this, like posters that are like this or like that movie or whatever. And, 
yeah, he's he's a talented, talented artist, fabulous artist. So could not Beautiful. be happy with that. No, that's a great uh, connection. Um, so uh, I guess you would probably even be aiming to see if you could somehow get this on places like Shudder or even just even go the much like the Hell House trilogy or even like Villa Capastor on Amazon Prime. <laughs> yeah, so probably, I mean, to start with, in our Indiegogo, obviously we're selling, we're pre, pre-ordering, pre-selling the Blu-rays and DVDs. Um, and that will be one of the main, you know, the, the main, main ways that people will be able to see that initially. Um, we will try to do the festival circuit, you know, as long as we can all get out of our houses. Uh, <laughs> if I can't get out, if we can't get out of our houses by then, there's no movie because we wouldn't have been able to shoot it. But uh, making the festival rounds, trying to get onto a few of yeah, the streaming platforms. There are some smaller ones, too, that are coming up. They're popping up that are more friendly to the independent filmmaker because some of the bigger ones like Amazon Prime um, have been uh, have really shunned the independent filmmaker lately. Um, I think that it's just because they haven't been getting anything to where it's like they're, they're looking at the numbers and seeing how people are just tuning yeah. out after five minutes like Amazon or like Netflix. But I, I see what you mean. I, I think there is yeah. a bigger prejudice that they're getting. And I mean, yeah. That's just damage control. If they're very unimpressed with what they're seeing, then that's where they put up the barriers. Yeah. So hopefully they put it down. Yeah. No walls, so, please. So yeah. <laughs> uh, so we'll do. You know, I mean, this is I'm, this I am not going for a theatrical release on this, but yeah, I will be um, just trying to get it onto all of the streaming platforms, and we'll make the convention circuit and sell our Blu-rays and DVDs because hey, as we all know. Uh, horror fans are the ones who know the best that uh, physical media is not going to die. We still need it, and especially right now. I think a lot it's of people really are like... annoying how everyone <laughs> acts like we can't have an option, and I'm sure you're yeah. getting it, encountering pretentious types like that. Is like, uh, you know, that well, why not have options? <laughs> well, what's yeah. wrong with that? Yep, yeah. and that's <laughs> yeah, and that's what we'll that's what we'll do. So DVD, Blu-ray. Hell, <laughs> yeah. if someone wants to make a VHS of this, <laughs> make it be well, a prop. Cool. That is that is the one that I would love to do. Um, for the, I would love to do it for the Indiegogo. It is very very expensive to get um VHS mm-hmm. tapes created now, just because Much it's like so. Yeah. yeah, it's just so antiquated. It sounds so weird to say. Like, I mean, I could, yeah, potentially like get a, you know two VCRs and <laughs> you know do that whole thing. Um, but yeah, it is, it's very, uh, it's very cost prohibitive. So that might be something though, if you're interested people that might be in the Indiegogo campaign in the coming weeks. Or hell, maybe just do what all the other mainstream companies are doing. Just have a Blu-ray DVD cover, but make it look like a VHS rental. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm cool with that. Like I have the happy birthday to me one, um, from, I think, what is it? Mill, Mill Creek. Mill Valley. I can't remember what the name of the company. They sell them for like seven bucks at Walmart. Yeah. Oh, have you yeah. thought of that? Man, Mill Creek's, I notice, has been buying a lot of these movies. Okay, yeah, so funny story. It, There's this one hack in Dallas named uh, Israel Luna. You probably know him for the Ouija experiment films, which have been playing nonstop on El Rey. They're, oh my God, they're bad. But uh, so basically, long story short, uh, basically, this company would give him money and basically he had everyone working for him for free. But he was just taking advantage of everybody, so that's where he just was 
really being a dick about everything. <laughs> but yeah, he, he just makes all these low budget movies. And I saw that one of his movies, which had, it was like called like transvestite sisters or some horse shit or something like that. And he, he got a Mill Creek deal for him. I'm like, Oh my God, how'd that happen? <laughs> yeah. I, I really am not even thinking about distribution right now because it will be self distribution, at least for a, a very long time. Um, I'm using that kind of template. Um, I'm not, I'm not opposed to distribution. It's just that a lot of the people that I know who have made a movie of this, like, you know, this budget level, um, this size have been, uh, you know, wooed in by a distribution company and then they've kind of like, kind of ended up on the, the losing end. So, right. Because I mean, the company can always be like, well, we don't like it, but because we own it, you know, no one's going to ever right, see they, it. So. Right. Exactly. They can, they can, buy it from you but then like never release it and if and let's face it most of us who are making these movies the main reason we're making these movies is we want people to see them mm -hmm. first and foremost it's not about like having you know having a distribution company hold on to it like we make them because we love them and we yeah. know they're not perfect and um how can, how can it be i mean yeah it, i mean so would you consider yourself probably the next uh, what, what what filmmaker would you liken yourself to, if anyone? Like Charles Band, William Lustig, Sam Raimi. No one. No, no one. one. You're, you're, me, you're awesome. You know? Okay, awesome. Yeah. Uh, I'm. I don't try to emulate anybody. I'm not trying to. I mean, I, I say that I kind of have learned from other filmmakers, but it's more of learning the ropes and not aping what they do behind the camera. Forgive me. I'm not trying to. Do oh a no, no. Direct comparison, contrast. I just. Uh, yeah. I, I like. I'd like to see where everyone kind of considers them in the realm. Like, for instance, I knew someone. He was basically like. He's like. I forget what he how he phrased it. He basically said, I, "I'm the discount Danny Trejo." Oh. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and I was like, but and he he was way more self-deprecating. I forget who, which actor this was. I'm like, dude, you're just a good actor who happens to be in a few low-budget movies. That's fine. <laughs> be you um so what, what would you say are your biggest influences it seems like you're definitely or i i mean uh just movies that uh for the vhs uh dvd horror era that you would recommend everyone see oh uh, well first and foremost i am a friday the 13th girl uh so right yeah sleep right. camp all those other uh, right so i i usually cite my i I can't ever pick one movie. I, it's always between two movies when people ask me my favorite movie, and it's usually Friday the 13th Part 2 or Sleepaway Camp Part 2. Um, nice. Very yeah. particular. So I'm very – I am a – I am a huge 80s slasher fan. Like, I will watch the worst of the worst of the worst of the slashers, and those are my happy place, my comfort uh, movies. Um you know, in like the Madman or the Burning, you know, all of those mm, okay. are, yeah, that's, that's I'm my, speaking my, my language. <laughs> yeah. So now, uh, now that doesn't necessarily influence me as a filmmaker because my movie is not a slasher. Um, I uh -huh. am, oh, my darling that I am producing is in fact a very hardcore 80s throwback slasher, which I am thrilled to be working on. <laughs> um, no, that's but, great. But when it comes down to what do I watch when, you know, I'm stuck in my house and I'm 
bored, maybe a little sad, maybe a little depressed, and I want something that's just going to like elevate my mood, I'm putting on an 80s Clash movie. <laughs> nice. Um, so uh, it's funny that a lot of those movies you brought up, uh, do you ever listen to House of Wax or Cinema PsyOps? That they, they definitely review a lot of those types of movies. Cinema PsyOps, I've listened to them before. Oh, yeah. Uh, hell, I'm surprised you... Uh, you, you might uh, since you know Lacey Lou and a bunch of the others you might even just have yeah. your podcast friends just like guest star as like a voice over the phone or something <laughs> the voices yeah. of various ghosts or victims <laughs> that'd be a lot of fun <laughs> yeah so uh if you don't mind me asking uh and this isn't to be mean or anything uh if I had to do just a casting co uh, call for like a uh, a dream cast for your future projects. You, you mind if I name off a few actors that you're thinking, yes, totally would try and get them on the budget or yeah, be I, too trivial for you. <laughs> no, no, that's fine. Um, all the people that I have, I absolutely love. Um, I would love to work with Tiffany Shepis. I would love to work with Felissa Rose. She's an absolute sweetheart. She is. Uh, I forgot about her. <laughs> yeah. Um, I actually am working with Tamara Glenn. Um, on a movie called Backwoods Bubba, and that's going to be pretty cool. So, Very cool. Um, yeah, that's going to be an awesome movie for those of you who uh, who are looking for other movies to support <laughs> and go. It's called Backwoods Bubba, and also I get to work on that one with Dylan Fawn Harvey from the Todd Sheets movies. Oh, jeez. Um, and actually in, in The Embalmers, uh, I get to work with uh, my, like, my like idol of the Todd Sheets movies, and that's Antoine Steele. Freaking love him. He's a great dude, and so he's Very going cool. to be in our movie. So, um, I I guess I don't really like ha like it's, I'm not like ever gonna say like I want Tom Hanks, you know, like because that's well, yeah, just not no, the way I am. I like I just that's not me. And that just all. wouldn't work. That you're talking, you know, billions there. So I mean, I, well, I just, and, I, and I'm, even, I'm talking more. If, if I had to be pie in the sky, it, it would be the people who I have, I would have access to. Maybe wouldn't, maybe I wouldn't necessarily be able to get them into my movie, but it would be feasible and plausible. So, uh -huh. yeah. Okay, so maybe you'd have someone like Lance Hendrickson, Tony Todd, Yancey Butler, uh, well, Tim Anderson. Well, Lance, Lance sadly passed away, but uh, you know, like yeah, Tony no, Todd. Uh, no, uh, Hendrickson. Yeah, I thought he did. No, Bishop from Aliens is still going strong. He's good. Okay, okay. I'm thinking <laughs> of somebody else then. I don't know who I'm thinking. Oh, I think I'm thinking of Rutger Hauer. Never mind. Uh, yes, uh, unfortunately he did. Yes. But, uh, you know, like Bill Mosley, I'd love to work with him. Okay. Um, and I, I, before he passed away, um, I had a chance to befriend Sid Haig. I would have loved to work with him, but he was already, by the time I met him, he was already pretty tired um, and pretty yeah. much done making his movies. Um, uh, maybe uh, Joe Estevez? Eh, you no. know, if I, if I met Joe cool Estevez, guy. I would just, yeah, I would just fangirl over Roller Gator if I ever met him. So. <laughs> oh, well, I'd, yeah, that, that's actually his wife's favorite movie, actually. <laughs> she says it's love, so goofy. Love that movie. Love it. So, yeah. Uh, okay. Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Debbie Rokon? Uh, yeah, I mean, potentially. 
Like any of these people, I think would be great to work with. Um, you might get uh, Jackie Ray Newman Jones. I just had her on the show earlier this year. Uh, from she's Debbie, the girl in Monos. Yes, actually, she. <laughs> uh, I sent something to one of my friends who, who uh, we are big, big Manos fans of fame um, in Mystery Science Theater 3000 fans. Oh, how can you not and, be? <laughs> and I, I got a friend request from her, and I, like, sent a screenshot of it to him, and I'm like, okay, my life is complete. I can die happy. <laughs> oh, man. If I can, I'll I'll show you the episode. We we I was flat out reading a positive review for the Manos sequel she did, where she plays the master, yeah. and she wasn't she kind of had a love-hate relationship with it, and it was so funny. I'm reading off the review from Voices from the Balcony, and she's like, you're too damn kind. <laughs> <laughs> she's very self-deprecating, and I don't know where it comes from, but, you know. Oh. Now, here's one that it isn't a, um, like, a budgetary uh, obstacle, but it is that this person uh, just did one movie, did a couple movies, whatever, wasn't really an actress, and nobody really knows where she's at now. But I would love oh, okay. to have Valerie Hartman, Allie from Sleepaway Camp 2, if you're out there, Valerie. <laughs> and I've noticed lately that some more of the Sleepaway Camp alumni have been kind of popping up the, on the convention circuit, and I'm like, oh, somebody please call her. I really, uh, like, I need to meet Allie. She's my bitch. Love Allie. <laughs> I think it was a matter of they didn't know what to do with the fame, you know, because it was back when, you know, they were doing movies on the cheap. Well, and, and that actually most of the people who were in the um, in Sleepaway Camp 2 were from the Atlanta area. And they weren't really like actors per se. They were just young mm -hmm. people who like, you know, auditioned for this thing to do during the summer. So and that was her like supposedly that was what she was. Maybe not you could anybody get, uh, ever to act. Yeah. Maybe you could get R Renee Estevez. <laughs> yeah, I haven't seen her making the rounds yet, but she maybe someday. She and Pamela Springsteen, Valerie Hartman, man, I'm all about that. That would be that would be a reunion I would pay big bucks to go see at a convention. <laughs> that would be fun, just because it would be just unlike any other kind of horror convention. <laughs> yep. Alrighty, so now that we got that, uh, so uh, you have any other pro any other uh, movie reviews we should be on the lookout for and other side projects you want to promote yeah. outside of the embalmers? Really? So, um, like I said, I'm, I'm involved in a lot of things. There are a lot of things that are being pushed back by months <laughs> and maybe even a year or whatever. But the three main ones that are still, we're still forging ahead, we're still going strong, and that I'm, I'm a significant part of are the embalmers, of course. Um and then also, Oh My Darling, which I talked about. Oh, um, my darling. And, uh, <laughs> and Backwoods Bubba, which I, I mentioned briefly. I actually am the co-writer of that. Um, and that is going to be an awesome – it's going to be an awesome movie, an awesome campaign when we start raising money. We, it's uh, I think it's going to be one of those movies that will easily be a cult classic. So those are the three that I'm really focusing on. Um, mm -hmm. But I do have some other stuff. I'm working um, with a director called uh, – Wayne Etheridge out of North Carolina on several things. So um, as long as we're allowed out of the house at the end of next <laughs> month, uh, we are starting to shoot uh, the sequel for uh, Slumber Party Slaughter Party 2. No way. So yeah, and then um, and I'm doing a couple, like I'm doing a, uh, a short horror film with him 
for an anthology and then I'm doing another uh, segment for like a horror holiday anthology. So those will be fun. A lot of stuff, cool stuff planned there. And uh, Christopher Kaler out of Chicago. Um, right now he's working on a film called Steal Your Face. It's Giallo throwback, but he- That's a great name. This, he has this great idea for a film um, that we will be doing as soon as we can, and it's called Chicago. Chicago. Okay, oh, like shark. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. And it's going to be pretty Chicago. awesome. Chicago. Uh, oh, and then I, I, I should mention, too, because he is one of my mentors and somebody else who is um, a legendary director who has been really, really helpful, uh, Donald Farmer. Please. Yeah, no, Donald, Donald, Donald Farmer. Farmer. Um, I'm actually going to be in Bigfoot Exorcist, which is the spiritual successor to Shark Exorcist. So I got, a lot of, I got a lot of fun stuff. I mean, basically, <laughs> um, oh, and then I, I should also mention the one thing that we're still trying to film through all this because it is local to Indianapolis. Not really sure how well it's going to work because I think now we are on a complete lockdown. But uh, it's called Purgatorio from a filmmaker named Joe Jessup. Um, and it also involves Alice Winkler, Kaylee Williams, um, and it's based around a, a serial killer who kills on the seven deadly sins. So nice. that's fun. So, yeah, we were trying to figure out we're supposed to shoot some next weekend and we're trying to figure out, like, how we can sneak it in. <laughs> like, yeah, we're essential. <laughs> we're essential here. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty essential. I mean, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you've come this far. I'm sure you'll find a loophole and just be like, okay. Oh well, we'll get it done. I mean, we've got a quite quite a bit of it done, but you got you come this far, so yeah. <laughs> well, thank you so ever so much for this brief and to the point uh, interview, and I wish you best on this. And ah, uh, hell, I'll even add you to the Facebook group if you want. You feel free to promote those. Yeah. I mean. Uh, I, I know many other horror fans who are always looking for just those fun, just throwbacks to just stuff that's just so hard to recapture nowadays and do it justice. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Thank you for having me on. By all means. Uh, and so, where, where there's blood and smoke and gore, there's Rebecca Reinhardt coming yeah. to the nearest podcast and film retro tribute in your area, guys. The Jacked Up Review Show can also be followed on Facebook on both the page and the group. Feel free to chat, leave questions, make requests for future episodes. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much for your various support, and we'll continue to entertain the hell out of you. Till then, take care.